Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. And most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can certainly learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. And I'm very excited to have you here with me tonight as we discuss how we can reclaim our sexuality. You know, it is. It's really time for us to take back our sex lives and to no longer have this area impacted by the past. So first of all, as we get started tonight, let's try not to be too bashful. You know, sex is a huge part of our lives, and there's just no getting around that. So we're going to look to let go of any hang-ups or concerns that we might have regarding talking about, exploring, or understanding sex. So I want to invite you just for a moment to really just be here with me, to take a moment to settle in, let whatever's come before and whatever's coming after to drop away, and to just be here. This opportunity for yourself to connect, to learn, to grow, and to maybe explore an area of your life that is a little intimidating, maybe a little fun. You know, when I start working with my clients, one of the first things that we do is really get present to the messages or lessons that we've learned about sex when growing up. 
you know, either as a result of abuse or simply from what parents, peers, TV, magazines have taught us. We get all sorts of messages and information all the time. And so one of the things that I'm asking you to do here as we get started is to know that you're coming in the door with a lot of messages, some of them good, some of them bad, maybe no messages at all. Maybe sex was such a, you know, a taboo topic that you didn't get any information and you're trying to figure the whole thing out, right? So just know that and maybe take a moment to think about what are those messages that you're bringing into the, the, the evening. Now, one of the most common responses I hear when I ask people this question often is, sex is bad, it's dirty, it should never be talked about. It's something to be ashamed of, to keep super, super private and quiet. The other reaction is sometimes that sex is the only way to really experience love, that it's a placeholder, that it's the way that we find affection and attention and acceptance and validation. And this is why often you find survivors of sexual abuse end up in one of two camps and sometimes going between the two of either being promiscuous and outgoing sexually or kind of shy and timid or withholding sex. So even if you're feeling a bit gun-shy about this topic, I really encourage you to just take a deep breath, know that you are safe, and that the rewards of exploring this area of your life are huge. Now, one of the first things I want you to know is that sexual abuse can really impact our understanding of and relationship to sex. There are some very common responses to sex or sexual behaviors that I have dealt with personally, and perhaps you have as well. For example, you know, like a guilty or a dirty feeling after sex or about sex. Difficulty setting boundaries in sex feeling guilty about the things that we find pleasurable. Sometimes there's disassociation from our body during sex. Certainly we might use sex to try to make our life better. (laughs) And definitely feeling good only for sex, like that's our only purpose. What else would would people want us for? and And this list could keep going and keep going and keep going. You know, one of the things that comes to mind for me here as I'm with you tonight um, is for me personally, when I was abused by my grandfather, there was a moment um, where I was putting up some resistance and I was kind of trying to wiggle and get away. And he said to me, just let me play with you. And that phrase stuck with me for so long and it really shaped so much about how I saw myself and what I was for, what purpose I had, had this sense of just being an object, you know, to be taken and used by other people and um, to not be able to experience any pleasure myself. And for all of my teen years and well into my 20s, that was how I experienced sex, was as an object. And I had a really hard time getting connected to my own pleasure, my own needs, my own desires. And certainly when I started out on my healing journey and got really clear that enough was enough, I was no longer going to live like this and I was going to take back my life, 
this was one of the areas that I eventually had to spend some time in and do some work on. And, you know, while some of the responses and behaviors that um, I just mentioned and what you might be dealing with may need, you know, the the attention from a trained therapist to overcome, um, particularly like dissociation, um, I think that a lot of this boils down to one very powerful false belief that we want to take a look at tonight. And that false belief is, if sex didn't exist, I wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. In short, that sex is bad. The critical error here is that we're blaming sex instead of the abuser for what happened. Think about that for a moment. We have this experience, our first sometimes sexual experience is at the hands of somebody who is using us for their own satisfaction, their own needs, their own resources. And it gets all very convoluted, right? If this thing just didn't exist, then I would be okay. I would have been safe. I wouldn't have been abused. But in reality, it's not sex or sexuality that causes abuse. It is the abuser who causes abuse. Now, the problem is, as a result, we continue to connect what we experienced at the hands of our abuser with the experiences that we're having now as adults. So when we're touched by a lover, we experience it in very much the same way as we experience being touched by the abuser, and it all just kind of gets mingled together. But one of the key things that I've discovered and that I've really done a lot of work on personally and with my clients is to really recognize the difference between our abuser and our lover. There is a huge difference between the sex that occurred with the abuser and the sex that is occurring with our lovers. And the first step to take toward really reclaiming our sex life is to make this distinction, to get really clear about that. So let's explore this a bit more since it's so important. For a moment, I want you to just think about when you were abused, what were you having sex as a result of or out of? For me, it was out of fear, manipulation, coercion, There is one very major thing missing from that list, and it's consent. When we are abused, we are having sex out of manipulation and fear and not out of consent. Our abusers, you know, they never give us a choice. Even if there is a part of us that thinks there's something that they did or said that, you know, made it an option for us to choose, there's, there is no choice here. We don't have the capacity. There are all sorts of factors at play that really prevent us from being able to choose. The sex occurred out of obligation and service to the abuser's desires. So it's an error to continue thinking of sex as something that we have to do or should do or that is all about the other person and that we have no choice about. Because we, thank goodness, are adults now. And we have the right to choose. So right now, we might be choosing to avoid sex or hate sex 
or fake enjoyment of sex. We might be making sex all about performance for you guys out there and proving our masculinity. We might be choosing to make sex be the only way that we feel loved and accepted. Yet we have the opportunity and the right to make different choices. Our lovers are not our abusers. And we do not have to have sex with them out of obligation or for the sole purpose of meeting their needs. I just want to take a second to let that really sink in. I know that for me, this was really like, it took a minute. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I have a choice here. I have a say about this. I don't have to just keep going with the flow and doing the things that I've always done. Now, what's really amazing about this is that there is... Uh, somatically, you know, parts of our body that when we're touched sexually, um, they hold information, right? And what's happening when sometimes people come to me and say, well, like with my, if my person touches me, you know, in this same place where my lover, where my abuser touched me, I really freak out. I, you know, get triggered and fall apart and um, become a mess. And so let's talk about that a little bit, some strategies that you can use uh, around this. So the first part is to really recognize that touch, whenever it's happening in any circumstance, your body is biologically set up to respond to touch. And so your touch feels good, even when it's in the wrong circumstance. And so the reason why it felt good when you were being touched by your abuser is not because there's something dirty or gross about you or there's something wrong with you that you would like that. It's That's how your body is set up. So when later a lover touches you in the same place, you know, it feels both good because it's touch and it's yummy, but it also feels strange because you remember that association of also feeling good when the abuser touched you. And so The first step is to really start recognizing them as separate touch, really tuning in, like who am I being touched by right now in this moment? Where is that physical touch coming from? Who is sending the affection? Who is sending the pleasure? And also noticing that your lover is wanting to give to you and is not trying to take something from you. It's like we have to get out of this habit of thinking that it's all the same. We have to separate these things. The other thing is to know that you can actually ask a lover to not touch you in particular places. You can set some boundaries there until you feel more comfortable. Or maybe you'll just decide that there's that one part of your body that, you know, it's just kind of off limits and that's the way it's going to be. And it's totally okay to choose that. The important part is to communicate that and to also make make yourself feel bad or dysfunctional or like something is broken about you because of that. One of the tricks here is, uh, you know, one of my clients uh, had some questions about this because she noticed that she wasn't very sensitive when it came to her breast. And this was, a you know, a major spot where her abuser had touched her. And she said, I feel like I've just kind of shut down that area of my body and turned it off so that I can't experience any sensation there. And through our work together, what we started to explore was whether 
that shutdown was because of held trauma and held abuse or whether it was just that naturally she wasn't as sensitive there. You know, we have this these illusions, right, that we're all supposed to be super sensitive everywhere and, you know, have all these feelings and all these experiences, but it's not true. Everybody is very different. And so you may just be not sensitive in one area of your body because that's just how you are. You're just not sensitive. And so through doing some work, you can start to explore whether that desensitization is coming from stored trauma that needs to be released or it's just about who you are and it's just how you are. And that will bring a lot of clarity and relief for you as you start to get in there. The other thing I want to bring to the table tonight is that we need to give up the lie that our sexual preferences are a result of abuse and therefore dysfunctional. This is a really tough one, right? Do I like this because this is what this person did to me and now therefore I, you know, I'm repeating it in my adulthood and just playing it out over and over again. And, uh, you know, certainly a lot of my male clients struggle with um, sexual identity, even my female clients, um, if they've been abused by women. It's like, you know, am I bisexual? Am I homosexual? Am I this? Do I only like that because of this? And, oh, man, it just gets all tied up in there, right? And we're trying to sort out what's going on with us, why we have the preferences that we have. So I really want you to hear me tonight that if you like kinky sex, then that's what you prefer. If you like quiet, slow sex, then that's what you prefer. If you're a straight man and you have fantasies about men, it's just a fantasy. It's something that you prefer. It's something that turns you on. Our sexuality is influenced by a myriad of things. And what we find pleasurable or not pleasurable has a lot to do uh, with so many different components and if we get nervous or scared that something that we are doing is a direct result of the abuse, then we can explore that. You know, we can really look at that and investigate it. What would sex like be, be like for me if I didn't do that? Would I still find it pleasurable? Would it still be fun and interesting to me? Or would I feel like something was missing and and didn't like it as much? And we can take our time to... Um, kind of go through different stages with things, trying it out a little bit, backing it out, and seeing where we really land. When I first started working uh, with one of my clients, uh, she she came very frustrated. One of the, the biggest problems is just not being able to engage sexually. And, you know, tonight we're talking about taking back our sex life. And one of the key things that we actually need to do before any of that is just taking back our life in general and doing some work to let go of other false beliefs and other ideas that are there because of the abuse and because of the pain that we've experienced. So we did some of that work. and But even early on, we started working around her sexuality because she had been married for some time, and for three years of that marriage, they hadn't had any sex life at all, just completely um, um, uh, celibate. And so uh, a lot of times what I find my clients want to do is, like, how do I have sex? I just need to have sex, and it's time to have the sex. <laughs> and so I'm like, whoa, 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 like, hold on a second. Like, let's back up a step here. 
you know, we cannot go from zero to 60 in any area of our life. We've always got to start off taking things slowly and incrementally. And so what I discovered was that, you know, she and her husband were so disconnected physically, they didn't really even hold hands or sit next to each other or hug or kiss. And so for her, the starting place was not how do I get in bed and have sex and have an orgasm. It was how do I sit next to my husband on the couch? And then how do I reach out and let him hold my hand? And then how do we maybe spend, you know, five minutes cuddling while we're watching TV, a little wrapped up a little more with each other. And we progressively increased the connection, the touch over time, you know, over I would say about three or four months alongside doing the work to challenge the beliefs that she had about her body, about sex, about relationships, about being vulnerable. And eventually we got to the point where she had shed so much of that that she was able to really fully engage with her husband. And they have a great sex life now. And it's wonderful. It's just wonderful to see that we really have this opportunity, as distant as it may feel, and boy, you know, I feel you out there. You're thinking, I do not see it. I cannot see how I could ever get to that place and how I would ever feel comfortable and safe having sex. And I want you to know that it's totally possible. And each person can find their way there, um, you know, in different ways. And I hope some of what I'm sharing with you tonight is pointing you towards some things for you to explore and discover. And if there's any really key big takeaway that I want you to take, get overall is recognizing that you have choice. That you have choice. So I'm going to take a moment here to share with you some great questions that you can spend some time thinking about after our um, show tonight. So, you know, take a second, grab a piece of paper, you know, get something that you can jot things down on. These questions are really great for opening the door and helping you explore and discover what's going on for you, what's getting in the way of you having the sex and sex life that you want. So the first thing to get really present to are what are the costs of not reclaiming your sex life? What are you missing out on? Like, why do we even care? Yeah? You know, some people come to the place where they think, maybe I'll just be fine without sex and I'll just go on the rest of my life and I don't need it and I'm good. And you know what? If you get to that place and it's really a place where you're choosing that powerfully, then kudos to you and it's totally awesome but if you're choosing that or saying that out of fear and out of doubt and out of hopelessness then I encourage you to really sit here with this question what are you missing out on what do you not get to have as a result of not reclaiming your sex life the other thing to notice is what choices are you currently making about sex and then what choices would you like to make instead? Another way to think about this, which I really love exploring this with my clients, is what is something you have always wanted to try to say yes to? Oh, I've always wanted to play dress up. Or, oh, you know, I've always wanted to go outdoors. Or I've just wanted to even just masturbate. One of my clients had never even touched herself and didn't know how to masturbate. 
which my, my colleague would say it's a self-love practice. She doesn't like the word masturbate. <laughs> I can hear her in my head right now. <laughs> the other question is, what is something that you've always said yes to that you actually want to say no to? And kind of more broadly, what is sex for you right now? And what do you want sex to be? These are wonderful questions to spend some time on um, really exploring and looking at and getting a clear picture of what's going on for you. I want to share with you a couple of quick stories um, that came to mind as I was preparing for tonight's call. And the first one is a client whose abuser had performed oral sex on her and she was really struggling to enjoy oral sex with her boyfriend. So we spent quite some time doing the work to really separate the experience that she had with the abuser from her current present-day relationship. And when she was ready, she agreed to spend as much time as she needed looking at her boyfriend to ground herself in the present and saying to herself, this is my choice. This is my choice. Before asking him to go down on her. And she decided to make very clear requests as to, like, which areas were off limits and that she only wanted it to last five minutes. And what was so amazing was as she took charge of this and started making choices about the experience rather than just letting it happen and then getting triggered and falling apart, that a few months later she happily reported, you know, I can't believe it. You know, I asked him to go down on me for half an hour. (laughs) I was like, that is a good man. That is a good man right there. But she felt so present and so relaxed and so at ease and so empowered, right? This is such a key piece for us is the feeling empowered part. Yeah. The other thought that came to mind was um, one of my other clients, we were exploring why she became so overly anxious when her partner didn't want to have sex. This is the other side of the coin that I want you to know is is out there, guys. There's, you know, not just that I can't have sex or it's hard for me or I freak out about it, but I need it and I need it all the time and I want it all the time. And what we discovered was that she had really come to believe that the only reason someone would want her is for sex. So therefore, if her partner wasn't interested, it must mean that he no longer wanted her and he was going to leave. See, she had linked sex with safety and acceptance. So the most wonderful discovery we kind of made was that this was a losing battle. Because either way, because even when her husband did want us to have sex, it never felt like enough. So we came to imagine it like she was this very deep well, so deep that no matter how much love he gave her, no matter how much sex that they had, it would still always feel like just a teeny drop. So our focus shifted to her letting go of this connection and feeling that void in healthy ways. And that just created a huge reduction in her own anxiety and for her husband as well because he was no longer feeling that pressure. He didn't feel like he had to perform and had to fill this gap and had to, you know, like fill her up literally. And, you know, all this, like almost immediately their sex life became vibrant and fun and fulfilling again. 
It's really beautiful and amazing. You know, when we stop making sex about things that it's not about and really hone in to what it really brings to our lives, expression, pleasure, desire, intimacy, connection, that we can just, man, things just open up so much. So your sex life is not going to change overnight. You know, I'm sharing with you lots of ideas and lots of opportunities and lots of things to practice and ponder and think about. But, of course, it's going to take some practice. It's going to take some try out a little bit here, try out a little bit there, because I get that these are tough issues. And after all, you know, being naked and engaged with another person is just about as vulnerable and intimate as it gets. But you can begin reclaiming your sex life as fun, exciting, satisfying, ridiculous, breathtaking, playful, erotic, kinky, fulfilling. Throw in your own adjectives here, a little uh, Mad Libs for you. (laughs) And the way that we do that is to really own the fact that we get to choose when, with whom, and how. Bottom line Folks, it's about choice, not obligation. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. Don't forget to visit www.rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. And also, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, take good care of you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.